What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer for War Media and host of the In The Scope podcast. I got some great news for you all. Tix Blitz provides the same great seats without service fees. Never pay service fees by switching to TixBlitz.com today. Use the promo code WAR, W-A-R-R, and save 5% on all purchases at TixBlitz.com or on the TixBlitz app. That's promo code WAR, W-A-R-R, for 5% off on great seats for all events. TixBlitz provides the same great seats as other resellers, but with no service fees. Never pay service fees at TixBlitz.com. We'll bring you down. We've got to stop and look around. Look around. Look around. Y'all know what time it is. It is the one. It is the only. In the Scope Podcast with your boy, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer for War Media. You can follow me on Instagram and the Twitter at Josh M. Hicks Media. I got some heat for y'all today because I got, I got someone who has not only been in the industry for a while, but and it has been a mentor to me. But I swear he has, he's just one of the most handsome guys you'll see on TV. <laughs> he, got the, he got the curly, the, the wavy hair. He got the trim beard. He he's doing this thing. He got the muscular body. You see him on TV all the time with Windy City Live and now doing sports with ABC7. He's doing sports anchoring, sports casting. I mean, the dude's a real deal in every industry, including looks. I'm kind of jealous. But it's all good because I got this special guy on my show. And like I said before, he has been a real mentor to me in this game. And knowing him for the, for the years that I have, I'm just so honored and blessed to have this guy on my show and for him to take the time out of his busy schedule to come on my show and talk about real things, life and sports. Everybody give it up for my guy, Ryan Cheverini. Ryan, man, say hello to the audience. How you doing? Man, Josh, that was a heck of an intro, man. I need to, I need to <laughs> hang out with you more often. It's good for my confidence, man. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And uh, man, it's, it's fun for me to see, to be on the other side of this and to see you hosting a show because typically I'm the one introducing guests and all that. But man, it, it, I'm proud of you, man. You've come a long way. Ah, oh, man, I really appreciate it. You, you know, we, we, we go back like four flats, on the, four, uh, four flats on the Cadillac, as they say back in the day. So I appreciate you, you know, taking your time to actually be on the other side of the seat. Like, what is, how does it feel to not actually host something, but be on a show where you're just an analyst or a guest and you can just speak freely and not have to worry about, you know, teleprompters, transitions, and things that are, how does that feel? It's kind of nice to be honest, but I'm always tempted to want to ask you questions. So that's, that's kind of the double-edged sword, but it is nice. It's kind of fun to, uh, to be on your show and then, uh, and just answer questions for, for a change. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I bet it is. And I'm, and I'm cool with you asking me questions because that's what we do. This is conversation. We're dialoguing and educating each other on the, on this platform for not just me or, or each other, but for the audience as well. That's what this is all about. We're looking, I named this podcast a long time ago in the scope because you're looking at the scope of different lenses. You get the different viewpoints of how people talk about certain topics and their opinions on those topics. So all you're doing is you're just living up to the name, man. You're just different, different, different perspectives from different lenses. So you get, that's all we're doing. That's all we're doing. So just 
bring on the questions. You got that questions? Ask me because you know I'm gonna ask you, and we'll keep the dialogue going. And I like, I, my biggest question is, what what is your ultimate career goal? Because we have known each other for a lot of years, and it was always to be a sportscaster. But now I see you're interviewing people from all different walks of life. So do you want to transition? I, I like the fact that for me, and we'll we'll talk about this. Um, you know, I did Windy City for ten years. Before that, I did, did sports for twelve years. And it's kind of nice to be able to do both. It's kind of nice to kind of dip into sports, but also to, to be in entertainment and to meet people from, you know, all different professions and lifestyles. I kind of want to do a mixture of all of that. Um, obviously, I'm doing some of the TV stuff. I think I'm going to be ideally more of a writer. I think I'm going to do more of that reporting aspect of things in the sports realm. That's ultimately what I want to do. You know me, get to the ESPN realm. That's ideally what I want to do. But I also want to have that extra avenue open up to where I could be more of a culture guy. Talk yeah. about culture, talk about real life issues. Because that's what journalism is all about in, in, in general, telling people stories. And yeah. being able to do that with sports along with culture as in general as a whole, I would love to combine all of that. Um, yeah, so that's the next step. You know who I'm most impressed with and I read a lot of his op-eds is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I don't know how much you follow him, but yeah. yeah writer and as a thinker and a philosopher even if you don't always agree with his opinion he is so well educated and he just presents his argument for whatever that is I mean I know he spoke out about uh, LeBron not long ago he spoke out about the Will Smith situation but Kareem is so much more than just a former athlete and hall of famer He's such a thinker and he was civil rights activist, you know, that was with Muhammad Ali and Dr. King. And um, he's done so much that it's like, why be put into a box when the world is so much bigger and you have so many more interests? And Kareem's a great example of that. Most definitely. I agree with you, man. And I, I'm glad you said that because we're going to transition to the first topic of this episode, which is your career. So talk about how you fell in love with the idea of being in journalism. Did it always start out on TV or did you just know from a while, from a while back throughout this journey that you were meant to be on the big screen some way, some way, shape, how? Yeah. You know, I used to watch games. My dad's a diehard sports fan and I used to watch games with my dad and um, the play-by-play guy would be on and my dad would be like, Hey, you should, this is what you should do. You should, because I was playing sports growing up. And my dad's like, when you're done playing, you know, sports, as far as you go, whatever, this is the job right here. This is what you want to do. And he would mute the TV and he would have me try to do the play by play. And I'm just a little kid, you know, but I had sort of a little bit of a natural ability and a natural knack to do it. And then he took me to the all-star game in San Diego and uh, they had this, did this big like setup, you know, back then the equipment was a lot bigger and bulkier. It wasn't like just these laptops like we have now but they would have this tape deck with a VHS tape that you could put in. You had a microphone and you had a headset and you could call a famous moment in sports. It was like $5. Wow. And I called the 1988 Kirk Gibson home run for the Dodgers. I know you weren't born yet, but <laughs> I was a kid and that was a big, big moment. Cause you know, my dad was in Southern Cal. So I grew up in Southern Cal, even though I have family here in Chicago. Uh, so I called the home run that Kirk Gibson hit. And it was, I look back now, I wish I could find that tape because it was so funny. But the fact that I could do it, like some people at this fanfare were like looking at this little kid called this home run. And I just sort of fell in love with it right then. So I knew, you know, once I got done playing sports, I was fortunate to play in college. You know, my twin played in the NFL. 
but uh, I knew I wanted to go into the broadcast booth. Okay, that's really you sports. I was I was a similar way. Um, you know, I grew up and I I would just name all the stats in the world. I think one there was one specific scenario that stood stood out to me was when I was sitting in the living room with my family, with my family, my grandparents. It's in my grandparents' house. And we were just watching college basketball. I was watching D. Will and and D. and uh, you know, Darren Williams, D. Brown, Luther Head, and those guys go had it deep into the postseason in the NCAA tournament, and. I just, they just say, oh, who's this guy? Who's that guy? I'm just naming names. Oh, that's him. He, he, he scored this many points this season. He's averaging this many, uh, this many rebounds. He shot this percentage from the three. He's, he's really good at this. He's really good at that. And they said, you know a lot. Obviously, you play the sport, but you obviously know a lot about the sport and love talking about the sport. You might yeah. as well do something, just might as well talk into it. And for me, I'm like, oh, it makes sense. I love talking sports all day. I can do it all day. Get paid to talk? Shoot, I can do it all day. But the caveat for me that I didn't understand was the importance of being able to tell a story, especially in the written format before transitioning to the TV component. And that's something I had to learn in my, my, especially my undergrad under my mentor and professor, you know, John Fountain. Did you have any hiccups like that when you was going through your transition into this industry? Did you, um, what things did you have to learn to help get you to where you are now? Well, I think that I wasn't naturally a great writer in the beginning. I remember we had to take in college, we were taking journalism classes. So you take like your TV stuff, but you take your print. And Mm -hmm. I had a hard time with the print because writing for newspaper is much different than writing for TV. We talked about that. Writing for TV is much like we're talking now. It's just talking to your buddies saying, hey, uh, you know, do the Bulls have any chance tonight against the Bucks, right? So that's something that you, I always try to tell journalists when you talk for TV, it's what are people talking about in the bar? What are people in Chicago saying about the Bulls in the barbershop right now? Are they saying the Bulls have no chance? Are they saying, hey, they surprised us in game one? You know, that's, those are the things that you, you actually wanna write when you're typing for TV because you're trying to just talk to a viewer just like you're in a restaurant, a bar, a barbershop. Writing for newspaper is much more detailed mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's diving more into the stats and it's diving more, you know, the sentences are longer typically, TV sentences are short. So for me, I, I had a harder time with the print and my print writing got a lot better over time, but that was an obstacle for me early on. And the TV writing kind of came a little bit more naturally for me. So I guess it's good that I chose TV and, and not print. <laughs> I feel you. I, I feel you on that. But and that TV component of it, obviously, you flourished in that career. Now you've done multiple sports shows, sports realms. Uh, I think when we last when we first met, we, we talked about how you was doing the sports show with Desmond Clark. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about what was it like being in the sports industry and from a professional perspective and the different shows that you were able to participate in um, prior to transitioning to the more of the entertainment. Yeah, you know, it was great because when you're doing scores and highlights and you're doing the news, you have three minutes, four minutes, you know, and you got to bang through scores and highlights, which we write all of those. As you know, we write our own copy. I think Mm -hmm. there's a misconception that sports writers or sports broadcasters don't write their own copy because typically in news, you do have writers because there's a lot of different news going on and there's no way for one anchor to do all the research on everything happening in the city but for sports you do have a producer that will help you with some information but you write everything and you write it in your own voice right Mm -hmm. it's personality driven sports is supposed to be fun and it's supposed to be a little bit entertaining so but it's still very regimented so 
when they came to me and said, hey, we're going to do this Bears show and you got 30 minutes now every week. Now you can have some fun. You, I got to pick my co-hosts, which Desmond Clark was one of them. He's a great guy, still a great friend to this day. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot more freeing. And that's sort of when I got to do Windy City, it was like that every day. So I do really enjoy not being on a teleprompter and being able to just sort of say your opinions and talk freely like we are now. That's why radio is fun too, you know, because it's not so, you know, regimented. Scores and highlights, you got to get to the point. You got to get in, you got to get out. The news has got to end, you know, right after sports, right? So they're definitely different skill sets. And uh, while I, I enjoy them both, I really enjoy, you know, being able to have the platforms to host shows. Uh, it's a little more freeing. So transitioning from your sports uh, broadcasting career to now with what you did with Windy City Live for over a decade. I mean, obviously that's congratulations to you. Shout out to Val Warner, uh, you know, who may be potentially checking in on this show. You know, shout out to her. Y'all were great. And obviously I got to give a shout out to my guy Jabba for marrying Val. So, you know, I got to give a shout out to my guy for that. Everybody knows Jabba in this city. It's crazy, man. Jabba, Jabba's that guy. I mean, Jabba, Jabba's that dude. Uh, so, and for me to know him, obviously, especially from a sports perspective, you know, dude's the real deal. Love the guy. And I love Val as well. She she welcomed me and with open arms when I first met uh, met up with you and everything. So definitely shout out to them too. But Windy City Live itself, a decade-long show, constantly every day, same routines for the most part, different guests, different topics. What was it like to transition from sports to where you just talk about everyday life, all types of variety of topics, more of the entertainment realm? You had a live audience, you know, like what was that transition like for you? I loved it. I loved it. I just think that I'm naturally a curious person. And while I absolutely love sports, there's more to me than just sports. So it was nice to be able to use that curiosity to now uh, be able to sort of weigh in on everything from entertainment to politics. I mean, we had presidential candidates on, we had John McCain on the show. So it was, it was great because it was challenging too. You had to learn and read up on a lot more things than just stats, right? And just knowing your, your sports teams, but it was a great challenge I really embraced. And hey, a decade over, I think we did over 2,500 shows. It was a heck of a run. We're still doing it once a week, which is great. But um, that, that 10 years was special. And to start a show from the ground up, and we went on the air the day after Oprah retired. Mm. The original title of the, of the show was Morning Rush. I pitched Windy City Live as a name. They put it through you know research and everybody liked it. So I, I take a lot of pride in naming the show. And we had, a, we had a really great run. I mean, we got to meet all of my childhood heroes for the most part, every big actor in Hollywood. I mean, I can't turn on the TV uh, for one day without going, oh, this person was on the show. Oh, this guy was on the show or she was on the show. Grammy winners, Emmy winners, Oscar winners. It was a really special thing. And we still got to have the athletes on the show too. So sort of got to be the sports guy of the show. And Val and I made such a great team. You know, we had at that time, she was single mom. You know, I was bachelor guy. We kind of <laughs> had, uh, you know, different perspectives, but we were very similar uh, personalities. You know, she's become my sister. I married her in Java. You know, I, I was actually yeah. so pretty special to build something like that and to build the friendships along the way. Was Val really meant to be your co-host from the beginning or like did you get to choose her as your co-host? How did that process go down? 
It was like American Idol. I mean, we mm. were we both auditioned. You know, they had um, they had this big party. They whittled it down to the top fifty. So they had like five hundred candidates. Then we went down to hundred. Then they were gonna fly in the top fifty candidates. So we had this big cocktail party at the Wit Hotel the night before the first audition. And you got a packet and you had like the seven people that you were going to audition with the next day. And Val was not in my packet. And to wow. this day, Val's like, you never even talked to me at the, at the <laughs> party. I was like, Val, you weren't in my packet. <laughs> I was trying to meet the people that I was going to audition with. But she always says, he didn't even look at me at the party. So anyway, I went and uh, met all the people that I was going to audition with. It's kind of crazy when you know you're going to compete against certain hosts. Mm-hmm. And we're we have all kinds of people there. Drew Lachey from 98 Degrees Audition, John Kelly, who's become a great friend, was you know longtime sports anchor here and yeah. was on Extra. Uh, Mark DiCarlo, who is the voice of Jimmy Neutron's dad and longtime actor, has also become a great friend. Audition. So they just paired all these different people together and the auditions were like seven minutes long or six, seven minutes long. Yeah. And then you were supposed to talk about, you know, a, a pop culture topic, a news topic, and then maybe talk about a personal story. And you had to do this over and over again. And I was covering the bears as a sportscaster at the time. So I had to get up to Hallis hall. Mm-hmm. So my audition was early and I had to go back to back to back to back mm-hmm. and do them all in a row, which is hard to kind of keep the stories. Yeah. New. yeah, it was tough. But I remember what I did the night before the audition. I got on the, uh, the World Wide web, <laughs> and I, I Googled a bunch, like Huffington Post, I would go to HuffingtonPost.com. And I looked at all these different stories and I started printing them all out, you know, a pop culture story, a news story for each person. And I read everybody's bio that I was going to audition with. And I thought, oh, this person might be good for this. This person might be good for that. This person was on E! News. So maybe more pop culture for this person. And I just laid them all out in folders. And then each person I audition with beforehand, I would say, hey, I printed these out. If you, if you want to do any of these stories, let's do them. Everybody was like so receptive to it. Like, oh yeah, that's great. It gives us something to talk about. So I, I did my homework. And that's the one thing that uh, I really tried to push to every journalism student or aspiring journalist, do your homework, outwork that other person. You know, Bob Costas, the greatest probably to ever do what we do. Mm-hmm. He always says, nobody will ever do more homework than I will before a game or for an interview. And it shows, you know, it will show on the air. So did my homework, got the call back. The audition process went for like three months. They kept pairing different people together. And finally they paired Val and I together and then they liked it. So they paired us again together and then it just worked out. We didn't know each other from anybody, but they just saw the natural chemistry on the air and, I like to think they chose, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I mean, you're talking about going on 10, 10, a whole decade in the process. I think that, well, I like to say that they did a pretty good job as well. Everybody <laughs> listening right now, you're listening to the one and only Winning City Life co-host, as well as current transitioning back to sports anchor, Ryan Chevarini. Um, Ryan, obviously you did that show for 10 years now. And like you say, and it's only going on once a week now currently. But like you mentioned, you transitioned back into the sports realm. How were you able, like, first of all, how did this, how did this, how did this come about? You even wanted to go back, uh, did you actually want to go back to sports uh, when yeah. this came? I, 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 I needed a job. 
no. <laughs> um, I think big picture, they brought me here 16 years ago. And at that mm -hmm. time, uh, Mark Greco, who, you know, has been a great mentor and friend to me was, you know, the icon here. And I think that I remember there was a newspaper article that said in Greco's footsteps, and it was a picture of me. So the whole idea, I think, was they brought me here as a young sportscaster to be mentored by, you know, Mark and Jim and eventually, you know, take over the sports department. And we still don't know if that is going to happen yet, but I am filling in and we're trying to see if it's a good fit for both of us. Right. Trying to see, you know, they said, hey, we, we love you. We want to keep you. We would love for you to do some sports coverage for us. And, uh, I, and I said, well, I am pretty free during the week. I'd like to still do the Friday show. So they kind of, we've kind of been seeing if it's a good fit for both of us, but, um, you know, I'm still a sports fan. I always have been. So I've been following the teams. So transitioning back hasn't been that big of a, uh, of an adjustment for me. I think getting used to working those sports hours, the long days and being at games super late or driving back from Milwaukee for the playoffs, those, you know, I've had a pretty great schedule working for Windy City. So I think going back to that has been an adjustment. But other than that, it's been really smooth. What would you say to people? Because obviously journalism is an industry where you're like, you got to try things out, see if you like it or not. And if you like, and then if you don't, you just transition because you know at least what, 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 what would not work for you. Let's just say you started in the actual news reporting realm. And then you realize, oh, I want to go to a different field in reporting whether it was political field, sports field, whatever the case may be, what advice would you give to someone that wants to make that type of transition already in the field of reporting that they're working? You know, I think that the more that you bring to the table, the more valuable you are as an asset to any organization. When I first got in this business, you know, I had to shoot my own stuff, write my own stuff, edit my own stuff. I was in Great Falls, Montana. You didn't know whether to laugh or cry when you saw your first paycheck, <laughs> but I got to do it all right. And you got to learn. And then as I progressed and moved up in markets, I didn't have to shoot anymore. I didn't have to edit anymore. Then when I got to Chicago, I stopped in Denver. I got to Chicago. Now you can't do any of that. It, we couldn't when we first got here. It was union, right? You couldn't mm -hmm. edit. You couldn't shoot. Now the business is changing so much where we have multimedia journalists, right? So they're doing the MMJs. They're doing everything again. Yeah. So, and those are the people getting hired because you bring so much more to the table than the person who can't edit or can't shoot. When we're hiring producers now at our station, it's a must. You have to be able to edit and some producers even shoot. So for me, it's like the more tools you have in the shed, uh, the better off you are on getting a job. So if your passion is politics and you're working in news, I would try to talk to your station manager and say, hey, can we, can I do some political stories or can I do some consumer stories? And, and you don't want to step on toes because we do have the I team and we do have political reporters. But if that's your passion, work in some stories that you can use on the news that also kind of cross over and you can build your reel and you can show other news directors, this is you know what I can do. The more you can do, the better. And like for me, now that I've hosted shows, done sports, I feel like, you know, it's helping my, um, you know, my value to my employer. So obviously now that you've done all that, do you want to stay in sports? Obviously we know ABC, you know, what's going on right now is a trial, trial run, but let's yeah. just say for some reason, you know, things differ and you guys that different and you guys, you know, part ways. Do you still want to stay in sports or do you want to go back into the entertainment realm? 
where you had that more of that freedom? Yeah, I hope that I can do a little bit of both. I mean, obviously I'm weighing my options right now, but um, I, I like to do both. I think, um, you know, we're going to, if we can keep that Windy City Weekend show on Fridays, I can do some sports stuff. And uh, I definitely like it. I enjoy it. Uh, it's trying to find that work-life balance with sports. And sports is a hard grind. You know, people that don't do it don't understand. But, you know, I worked 12 straight Christmases doing yeah. sports. You know, my nights, weekends, holidays were all gone through my 20s. So I would like to be able to do sports, but have some, you know, have some balance too. And still be able to do some entertainment. And maybe I would do some radio to get that sort of freedom of, of hosting too. So for me... Uh, I, I like being able to have my hand kind of in a little bit of everything. And I, and I, I highly recommend that for anybody, you know, not, not maybe in the beginning. In the beginning, focus on, on one thing, on one craft and, and really master that. But then challenge yourself to do maybe something different. Well, I mean, you're Ryan Chevrini. I'm pretty sure you get to have your hands in all the pots. <laughs> you know, I'm trying. I feel you. Um, but obviously, since you started this sports realm, or getting back to the sports swing of things, you have been able to now cover the Bulls as they're in the playoffs against the Milwaukee Bucks. So let's just transition into the playoffs and starting with the hometown Bulls team. From what you saw in game one, like what was your analysis reporting in that realm? And do you think the Bulls actually have a chance to come and, and top Milwaukee, you know, as they go uh, to get past in that first round? Well, when game one opened with that 9-0 run, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> and I'll be the first to admit, I thought the game one was going to be a blowout, uh, when, especially the way it started. But credit to the Bulls, they fought back, and they had a chance to win that game. They mm -hmm. had a chance to tie it with 30 seconds left, and they shot terribly in the fourth quarter. They were 3 of 19 in the fourth quarter. and I mean, three baskets. And, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan's never going to shoot that poorly again. I think he was 6 of 25. Terrible game for DeMar. Um, to beat the Bucks in seven games, I, I don't think this is our year for the Bulls. I, I think we're one superstar short. And I, I think that they need to find that superstar in the offseason. They did a great job this past offseason. Probably the best offseason of any NBA team with the uh, acquisitions they made. I still think we're a little bit short. You got the defending champs. And, you know, they didn't play well either. The yeah. Bulls did hold Giannis uh, scoreless in the fourth quarter. But those other three quarters, he he was pretty dominant. I don't know how we stop him long term. I think it's going to be tough to win in Milwaukee. I do think that I don't think we'll get swept, but I don't see this going seven games, unfortunately. Sorry, Bulls fans. <laughs> they get mad at me. Bulls fans get mad. And I was like, hey, it's not that I don't want them to win, but I got to I got to be honest and, and give it to it. Give it to you real. Otherwise, what kind of journalist are you? And there's a there's a big you know fine line between that right it's like when I was gonna you're a, ask about that like yeah, what's that fine line reporting that stuff yeah when you're a local sports guy in a local town right you don't want to I, I think that there's an, uh, a nature human nature is you want your hometown team to win mm -hmm. but I think that you have to have some journalistic integrity too and you can't be just a total homer <laughs> and not shoot people straight and tell the truth so I, I on the air I always try to be honest with with viewers you know but I think it's the what you, it's all on your delivery, right? So I, I think that I said um, in my report before the game, uh, Bulls fans are hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst, right? It's like, that's sort of, that's a nice way to put it, right? Yeah. We're hoping that they're going to put on a good display, but we also know the Bulls sort of struggled going into the playoffs. We, we didn't have any momentum that second half of the season. And I think that's coming back to haunt us. But 
it, there is a fine line there because Bulls fans get upset if you say too many bad things about the team. So I think, but you got to be honest too. Yeah, no, that's one of the first things they teach you in the industry. The truth hurts sometimes, but <laughs> yeah. you have to tell the truth. <laughs> that's, that's, that's your duty. So I totally feel you. Uh, I totally feel you on that. Um, you think the Bulls have a shot? Gentlemen sweep. I think they get a gentleman sweep. They may get one game. I think game one was their best chance to get that game. If they have, if they ever are given another chance, it probably to me will be game three. I agree. Madhouse um, Madison is completely different vibe when it comes to the playoffs. And we know the Bulls fans are going to show up with that crowd. So I think the Bulls can feed off of that to help win and take things to that next level for that game. But I, it's the defending champs. And like you said, there's no momentum we had in the second half of the season. And I think Lonzo Ball being out covered a lot of areas that the bull, that, is, is, that really exposed the Bulls. Um, you can't, you know, knock the impact that Alex Russo brings to the table, especially defensively. You can't knock the impact that, you know, bringing guys that were injured, uh, like Patrick Williams, things of that sort. And, you know, what Kobe brings, what right. Io has emerged into, into this lineup. It's a lot of great things for the Bulls, but – at the same time, you know, I think Lonzo Ball was really the X factor that we really need to even keep games close like this against the top elite teams, which is what was happening when he was playing. And yeah. without him out, I don't see the Bulls really having much of a chance, especially when you're talking about a disciplined championship team that is hungry for a repeat. Right. That's, that's a completely different animal beast you're dealing with compared to any other playoff team. Yeah, I think that they're making the right moves with the team. We're, we're not, we're building, you know, I still yeah. think we're a couple years away, maybe one year away from really battling for that Eastern Conference, but they've been exciting to watch, at least, especially the first half of the season. And then that playoff game, they, they looked great. I mean, well, they, they didn't lay down, let's put it that way. They came back from double digit deficit and they had a chance at the end. They just went cold in the fourth quarter. Have you had... Uh Okay, so since we talk about the obviously we talked about Windy City Live, the different guests you had, and you mentioned you had athletes as well. Um, backtracking to that conversation for you personally, who was the top athlete that you was able to have on your show? Like, what was your favorite athlete moment? Oh, well, we've had Kareem on. I mentioned Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We've had him on and he's just such a deep thinker and philosopher. You know, he's not warm and fuzzy and charismatic, but he's a legend. And it was really cool to, to see him in person and stand, take a picture next to him. I mean, Val came up to his belt buckle. <laughs> uh, so, I, I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than Kareem. You know, I got to, I've met Michael Jordan a few times. I talked with him at his restaurant and mm. I invited him on the show because we had his mother on the show. Oh. And I tried to get Michael on. And I mean, it's still strange just talking to Michael, right? It's like you're looking at him and you're just so many memories are going through your head and iconic moments that it's you're trying not. He, he's one of those guys that no matter how many times you see him or if you ever get a chance to speak with him, you're trying not to like totally fan out. Yeah. But at the same time, you're you can't help it on the inside. It's like I've met so many stars and celebrities that I don't really get starstruck very often. But with Michael, every time you're like, wow, this is Michael Jordan. But you don't want him to know that. Right. I, I tried to get him on the show and uh, he respectfully <laughs> sort of declined in a nice way. But um, that would have been number one for sure. But yeah, probably probably Kareem and Mike Tyson, too. We had Mike on three times. I mean, 
to me, for my generation, nobody was more dominant as a boxer than Tyson. So, and you can have the argument about him and Ali all day, and it's a good argument on both sides, but having Mike on and, and to see how gentle he was and how kind he was, it, it was really eye-opening. You're like, wow, this is such a different Mike Tyson than I grew up with. Okay, okay, I feel that. You're not gonna mention Kenny Smith? Uh, Kenny's a good dude. Kenny, Barkley, I love that team. We've never had Shaq in studio. I've, I've met and interviewed Shaq a few times. Great, great, great guy. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've had every major star from Chicago on, you know, from well, when we had Rizzo here to Kane. We had the Stanley Cup in studio. We had, um, you know, the Cubs uh, World Series trophy in studio. It's pretty cool. And those moments are really special because when you're covering a team, and I covered the Hawks when they won it in Philly, the first uh, cup they won. I, I covered most of them, I think, all three. But, um, you know, when they're winning it and they're skating it on the ice and it's cool to see, but then when it all calms down and you're hosting a show and they bring the cup on, mm -hmm. you can actually kind of go down memory lane with them and you got the cup right in front of you and you can really enjoy the moment because it's not so crazy where you're on live TV trying to interview people. Right. It's a different experience. And they're, they're both cool in their own right, but it, it's really nice to be able to like have the Stanley Cup right in front of you and, you know, it's a calm moment. What about Bulls? What about a, uh, obviously we have a Bulls fan base here. Um, so what about the Bulls? Have you had any uh, certain celebrities or the Bulls players come through on your show? We had Jimmy Butler on, and um, I believe we had D Rose in studio. Um, we never had Lonzo on. We had his dad on. Lavar. Yeah. Lavar is a character. <laughs> a lot of people don't like Lavar, but when you meet him. You can't help but like him because he gets it. He knows like how to play the media. He knows what he's doing. He knows that he can't really beat Michael Jordan one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> he does those things because it's like, you know, it's like they just, he just hooks the media in yeah. and gets them talking. He's, he's a genius when it comes to marketing. But, oh, we had D-Wade on too. And okay. I beat both of those guys in Papa Shot. That's my game. <laughs> real basketball, but I can play Papa Shot. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's what's up. So, obviously, we, we talked about Ryan, the sports anchor, reporter, co-host. But what about Ryan, the person? Like, Ryan outside of the broadcasting realm. Like, obviously, I'm looking at a beautiful background where I'm pretty sure you can host some, some guests. You know, how, how you're living a bachelor life still? Like, what is that? What is life and social life for you going on for you right now? outside of the sporting realm. You know, in my 20s, Josh, I was so focused on the work. So focused on getting to that next level. So much so that I didn't enjoy my 20s as much as I should have mm. because I was so entrenched in trying to be great and trying to be the best sports guy I could be. And I was working a lot of nights and weekends, so the schedule didn't help, right? As we talked about. Um, my 30s, I really started enjoying my life personally, professionally, having that balance with Windy City. Um, now I'm in my 40s. I know, hard to believe. It goes fast. You definitely don't look that. Yeah, so this gen this decade, hopefully, will be more of, you know, the family, Ryan. You know, I've had the fun. I would like to, I'm dating, but I would like to, you know, I know, take that dive and have a family, have a, maybe have a kid before I get too old. 
but so Ryan, the person is someone who really uh, goes all in on whatever that is. So like whether it's, you know, work or, you know, my, now I'm trying to find the balance because I think it's in, important to, it's not always about the destination. It's you got to enjoy the journey too. You got to enjoy the moments along the way. And I, it took me a long time to realize that. So I think I've learned a lot in the last 20 years, but I'm certainly a guy that cares about family, guy that cares about this community. Mm. I, I try to do as much as I can for this city, but I want to do more. I was just thinking about it today. I was like, you know, sports changed my life for the better in so many ways, playing sports that I want to get involved. And I've talked to Matt Forte about trying to build a, a youth center, trying to get more involved in providing more opportunity for our youth in, in our uh, underserved areas. So, I mean, that's, that's me really. I, I'm, I'm a heart guy. You know, I, I when somebody sees me on the street, uh, I, I encourage them to say hello. I'm very uh, open and warm to people because I'm very appreciative. I didn't come from a lot. I came from a tough background, which it's funny when people see anybody on TV who wears nice clothes or styles their hair like mine, <laughs> they just naturally think that you came from a, a lot of privilege and, and all of that. And, and it couldn't be further for the, from the truth for me. Right. But I think all of the struggles that I went through when I was young makes me appreciate people more, makes me appreciate what I have and where I am. And I've never taken that for granted. So what goals do you have that you would love to achieve or on your list to achieve outside of just the sports realm? I spot outside, outside of being on TV or your next phase of your career. What's the one, what's the one goal you do want to achieve? I think getting married and being a dad, man. Uh, honestly, I think that would be uh that would be a pretty big accomplishment. My friends, including Val, <laughs> that's a lofty goal. <laughs> but uh, I think I think that that's that's the big thing for me. I mean, I've gotten to do so much in TV, and uh, you know, the career has been great, and I want to continue that for sure. But one thing I did learn when Windy City, The Daily Show, went away, is that you can't let your work define you. You know, mm -hmm. work is just one piece of the pie of who who I am. You know, some people that's, that, that defines them. And for me, if I never went on TV ever again, or if I never did radio or anything ever again, I would still be okay because that doesn't, that's just one piece of who I am. Cause someday it's going to all end. Someday I'm going to walk away from it or it's going to walk away from me. You know, somebody told me we don't own these jobs. We rent these jobs, right? So we're just, we're that person in that chair for now. Mm -hmm. doesn't last forever. So you can't let that just define you. So for me, I've, I feel like I've accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. I want to still be great at what I do, but goals for me now are big in my personal life, right? It's like, that's the next chapter for me. Okay. okay. Who wants to be the old guy in the club? <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Um, before we uh, try to wrap up the show, the one question I know for sure I do want to ask you is, what is the best piece of advice that helped get Ryan Shivereen to where he is now? Uh, my dad probably gave me the best piece of advice, and that is get the job first and then figure out how you're going to do it. Mm. So when I was young, and as you know, when you look at these jobs, they want so many years of experience. And right. Well, how am I going to get experience if nobody gives me a chance to get experience? Right. So I remember applying to jobs. And I was telling my dad, dad, they want two years experience. Right. Get the job 
and figure out how you're going to do it. (laughs) That's crazy. He's like, yeah, you'll figure it out. And so that's the thing, like, don't doubt yourself, right? It's like, it's, there's a million reasons to, to tell yourself no about something. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm too this. I'm not this. They're going to have somebody else that's better. They're going to have, don't do that. And it's hard, but you got to try to get that job first and then you're going to figure it out. Do everything you can to make sure they keep you. Right. But I remember getting a job in Denver when I was 24 years old, they brought me back. I interned there, which is important. Make as many contacts as you can. I think you've been very good at doing that. Make contacts, talk to people, ask for help. Don't have too much pride. Like, you know, I got introduced to you from Des, Des Clark. Yeah. And he said, hey, I got this young man. He's very driven. You know, he he needs a mentor, someone in sports. Uh, I was like on board. But you were so receptive to wanting help, right? So like for me, I was the same way. I was making phone calls, making contacts, trying to, you know, get a a circuit of, of, you know, just reliable sources and mentors, right? And reaching out to them for help. Everybody needs help along the way. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's the biggest piece of advice. Try to make as much contacts as you can and um, get the job first and then figure out how you're going to be great at it and how you're going to do it. You're going to make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. I've made plenty, especially when I was young, but it's, it's all about not giving up on that dream. Bulls, Bucks, what's your prediction? Eh, hate to say it, Josh. I think Bucks and five. <laughs> I, it's okay. Great minds think alike. It's a, this is you with that way. Great minds think alike. Right. Game three is what we got. We'll see. We'll see how well this, this video ages. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I feel you. I feel you. Um, what's next for our viewers to, to tap into what you're doing? Uh, what's some things that are coming up that you're willing to tell? Um, cause I know you got some stuff up your sleeve that you're working behind the scenes. You may not be able to say stuff or speak on, but what can you speak on that can give our audience something to look forward to moving forward? Uh, I would say keep watching ABC seven. Cause, uh, I think you're going to see a little bit more of me, uh, probably in the sports realm and, um, and, and still doing some entertainment stuff, maybe, maybe some national stuff. I can't talk about too much right now, but the phone is ringing. So that is good. Um, it's good to feel wanted. So I, I, ha- I have a few things, but I'm not just quite ready to share yet, Josh. But, um, but things are good for me. I, I'm, I feel very, very blessed and lucky. And, you know, I've been here 16 years. I thought I was going to be here for two mm. and then be somewhere, somewhere else. But this city has embraced me. I'm certainly a Chicagoan. Uh, and, yeah. and it's, it's, you know, I'm going to be very, very careful and wise about what the next step is because sometimes you have to realize the grass isn't greener. So as like right now, I'm yeah. sort of, I'm in a contract year, but um, you have to realize that sometimes where you're at is the best place to be. But sometimes it takes, you know, talking to some other people and then you sort of realize, you know, what you have. So I'm, I'm kind of in that, in that um, place right now. Okay, I feel that, I feel that. Everybody, listening to this episode you already know you can follow me on the instagram and the twitter at josh m hicks media but also follow war media on youtube war on anchor on all podcast platforms google Podcasts, spotify tune in app iHeartRadio, you name it we are all over the place and you can catch this episode specifically on war media's youtube uh ryan my God, man, you're, you're, you're obviously you're one of my big brothers and mentors in the industry. I thank you so much for taking the time to come talk to me on my show, on my platform. 
And uh, obviously, I look forward to continuing to learn more from you. I'll be sending you some stuff, too, because I'm still doing some TV stuff, you know, with school. So I'm going to send you some of that. But, uh, you know, I'm still going to learn from you. And hopefully we can, you know, we can catch up in, in person, you know, coming soon. I mean, you got a nice place for me to come visit. So maybe I should come over there to <laughs> check it a, out a little bit. I got a full bar back here, man. I got a full bar. Oh, you got the bar, too? <laughs> we can have a drink, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, so cheers. But no, I'm proud of you. And I'm proud of uh, what you're doing to get to the next level and get to the next step. Uh, hey, five years. Do I have five years before you take over for me or what? Do I got a little time left? I think you got a little bit of time because I'm trying. I'd rather be on the show with you while you're still hosting. I'll come and do the analytical stuff. You know, I'd rather do that. But you know, I would love to do more of this type of stuff with you in general. So you know, you know, you want me to come on your show or you have something else different going on? I wouldn't mind being a guest. Just putting it out there. You know. I like it. I like it. Well, now that COVID is over, we're finally able to have guests again, and uh, we'll get you in the sports office too. And uh, man, anything I can do for you, you let me know. And I'm proud of you. I think that you you have come a long way from when I first met you. And sky's the limit. Keep going. Yeah, most definitely, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You have a good rest of your day. You too, brother.